I'll never forget the day that I found my worth in Jesus. Did you hear that? I was worthless, hopeless, and helpless until Jesus passed by my way. And then he redeemed me, forgave me, loved me, put me in his family, gave me a purpose for existing and living. And as an 11-year-old boy, I decided then to follow Jesus because of his grace. And though I've not been perfect, my life has been far from cursed. Did you hear what I said? There have been many blessings bestowed upon my head and the head of my family because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you knew where he brought us from, not just my family, my wife's family, if you saw the pitiful sight that we were when our parents were addicted to or struggling with problems that deteriorated the family health that just almost destroyed any hope of a future for the kids and the grandkids and then the gospel comes and rescues us and God saw something in us that we could have never saw in ourselves and certainly nobody else saw and the value was not in the purchased possession but the one who purchased it Did you know that someone of wealth can purchase something that is insignificant, but because of who owns it, its value shoots way up. You know why I'm worth something today? Because I've been bought with the priceless, precious blood of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know something. God has a plan for you too. Everybody stand to your feet, open your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter number 19. We'll read 10 verses and I'll let you sit back down. Luke chapter 19. And verse number one, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. And the publicans were tax collectors, and in the minds of the Jews, the religious Jews especially, that was equivalent to sinners. There's not much change today. Somebody say amen. And he was rich, and he sought to see Jesus, whom he was, and could not for the press, the crowd of people, because he was of little stature. He was too short to see over the crowd. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way and when Jesus came to the place the place uh, he looked up and saw him and said unto him Zacchaeus make haste and come down for today I must abide at thy house and he made haste and came down and received him joyfully one preacher said he came down so fast he skint the bark off the tree. Verse number 7, And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half my goods 
I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And my focus is verse 9 where Jesus said, This day is salvation come to this house. Today my assignment is to continue the theme of household order. But today specifically I'm calling this household salvation. Thank you and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Household salvation. I, I do understand that because daddy gets saved, that doesn't mean that the rest of the family got saved. Just because the parents give their heart and life to Christ does not mean that their children are automatically Christians. Unfortunately, many today have the uh, incorrect assumption that because they were raised in Christian homes, that, that means they are Christian. But the truth is, each and every individual in the household must make their, uh, their parents' God their own God. That's a, uh, that's a decision that needs to be made between you and your Creator. No more than sleeping in a garage would convert me to a car. Uh, living in a Christian home would not make me a Christian. To be a Christian is to be a follower of Christ and to seek to live like Christ. And that is a decision one must make. And although I can say assuredly that the parent's salvation does not equate with the children's salvation, I can say and prove it with biblical case after case that God is interested in saving the whole family and not just the parents or the grandparents. And many today, many children today, because of the lies and the sway of public opinion, uh, political folly and such, uh, they turn a nose up at the gospel of their parents or their grandparents. And science, falsely so-called, has caused our children, many of them, and many of our grandchildren to turn away from the gospel that we have set our hope in. But if you're like that today and you're under the sound of my voice and you have turned away from the gospel that your parents have so faithfully demonstrated before you and tried to deliver to you, I want you to know that no matter how far you've run, how long you've run, how hard you've run, that God is still after you and even though you may have given up on the notion of following Christ Christ has not given up on the notion of following you until at last you surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ because he loves you and he will not let you go down without a fight somebody say amen right there and Jesus said to Zacchaeus there as we've already read uh, this day is salvation come to thy house if you looked at verse 5 he said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. I'm glad for the day that the gospel 
abode at my house. Aren't you? I'm glad for the day I remember when my daddy came home from work, a different man, and he started uh, taking us to church. And the next thing you know, uh, I start hearing about this man named Jesus that changed my daddy so undeniably, so uh, so beautifully, and, and, and so gloriously. I mean, he took a man that had been addicted to the bottle for 20 plus years uh, and had lived in sin for 20 plus years and completely took his addictions away. He was, in fact, a new creature. I didn't even recognize him from a behavioral standpoint. I knew that Jesus did something in my daddy's heart, and, and I was interested in knowing this God that my daddy gave his heart to and began to teach to me as a young man. And I'm glad that because of what the Lord did in my father's life, I began to be exposed to this glorious gospel. And I too became gloriously saved by the grace of God. And my two older brothers on September the 9th of 1990. And had the gospel not intervened, pray for my voice, had the gospel not intervened in our lives at the time that it did, I have no doubt that I'd probably be an old sock drunk today. Probably just living a mess, just doing my own thing, miserable. There ain't no telling who I married, where I've been, what I've done, or what my kids would have ended up looking like. But I know assuredly and can tell you that salvation causes things to improve. It's not a degradation of society for men and women, boys and girls, to have faith in Christ. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the mockers and those that scoff at us, uh, they criticize us and say, well, you, you uh, get saved, you put your hope in Christ because you need a crutch. And we don't need a crutch. Well, perhaps you're right. Uh, but let me tell you something. Me living on a crutch called Jesus is a whole lot better than you living without him. And I can guarantee you that. Amen. I've seen the contrast. I've seen uh, the, the, the life in shambles. In fact, uh, the first thing you'll notice is the disarray of gospel absence in the family who does not know God. If you'll notice in your text, the Bible said uh, in verse 1, Jesus entered and passed through a place called Jericho. What is the significance of Jericho? Well, Jericho, if you'll dig in your Bible over there in Joshua chapter 6, uh, you'll uh, learn that Jericho was inhabited by the Canaanites, and God told the children of Israel when they went over to conquer the promised land uh, that th they were to uh, overtake and drive out the inhabitants uh, and, uh, and, and, and destroy the enemies of the living God. You say, what kind of God would instruct Joshua to go in and kill innocent civilians? Who said they were innocent? Do you realize that God is just? Do you realize that God is holy? Do you realize that God is righteous? And just because you are not privy to their sins, I guarantee you God knows every one of them. And if there's judgment that is placed on any individual or group, it is because God is just in doing so. It's not because he's evil or sadistic and wants to just make our lives miserable. It is because of our sins. His ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. Amen. But it is our iniquities that have separated us from a holy God. So for some reason or another, Jericho was under the judgment of God. It was not a good place. 
In fact, Joshua said in chapter 6 and verse 21, And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep, and, and ass or donkey, and the edge with the edge of the sword. And they burnt the city with fire, and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass, and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. We skipped a verse or two. We went to verse 24. Now if we go to verse 26, that Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates thereof. In other words, it won't be nothing but curse. They'll, make, they'll struggle to make progress. And I think around 1500 A.D., uh, the city of Jericho was completely destroyed yet again. I mean, there was just, it's a cursed place. It's a picture and a type of we, where we are found without Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, I know this world fancies themselves on their progress without God. But who can, who can argue that money does not buy peace? Who can argue that money does not buy health? Who can argue that money does not buy good relationships? Amen. You may say you're blessed by how much you've got in your bank account, but God and everybody else knows you're miserable without hope in your heart. And so you can fancy yourself on quote-unquote success all day long, but until that hole, that deep, dark hole is filled in your heart that only Christ can fill, then you will be of all men most miserable, with or without the wealth of this world. And so we see Jesus pass through Jericho. Thank you, sweetheart. Jesus passed through the place that was cursed. Isn't that a beautiful picture of grace? Amen. And I want you to see again Luke 10, 30. And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jericho, uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which was stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And this is a picture and a type of what sin will do to you, what Christlessness will do to you, what a place with the absence of the gospel in your home will promise you. Amen. It will leave you stripped. It will leave you wounded. It will leave you alone. And it will leave you half dead. Somebody say amen. And the Bible said that the way of a transgressor is hard. And I'd like to say it this way. This old world is hard, not only on the individual, but on the entire human race, especially the family unit. There's, you want to you know what's destroyed our family culture and our family society in America today? You want to know why the family unit is such a mess? It's because of Christlessness. It's because of the absence of pure gospel teaching, preaching, and practicing. It is because of sin in the family uh, amen, that has not been surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
And we see then the disarray of the absence of the gospel. Look around the world, Christian, and see how miserable the world is without Jesus Christ. They put on a good show, and they'll try to convince you otherwise. But some of you were at one point amongst them, and you know personally that there is no hope outside of the creator of the universe who loves you dearly. So we see the disarray of gospel absence, but not only that, uh, I like to look at the disruption of grace. The very fact that it said, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho puts me on shouting ground this morning. To know that that was the very reason that Jesus came is to bring forth the blessing of heaven on a place that would otherwise have no hope without Him. That Jesus, that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And the Bible said that Jesus was born in a manger of a virgin womb. And the Bible said they called Him Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. I'm glad that He didn't leave us to our own demise. I'm glad He wasn't like the high priest that walked by. Amen. The, good, the, 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 the fellow that was found stripped and left in a ditch down in Jericho, but Jesus was our good Samaritan and he looked down and saw us in the ditch and he climbed down in the ditch with us, amen, that he didn't wait until we could aspire to the height of heaven with our good deeds and with our actions and with our religiosity, but no, he realized that if we was going to be helped, he'd have to come all the way down to where we were because we couldn't even so much as lift up our eyes unto him, much less our body or our actions, so he came to Jericho, he came to where we were. I'm glad that he found me when nobody else knew where I was there. Where in the world is Trap Hill, North Carolina and a poor little old family that don't have any hope and any chance in the world to have any success. But the grace of God sent the man of God to preach the hope of God to a lost soul and the gospel changed everything because grace disrupted our reality. Boy, I'm telling you, were it not for the grace. Do you know what grace is? Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is when God gives you something that you don't earn, that you don't deserve, that you can never work for and attain on your own. It was because of the worth of Christ's love for you and not because of the worth of your own works that He saved you. For it's by His grace that He saves us. And the Bible says plainly that it's not of works lest any man should boast. God ain't going to give you the privilege of bragging on how you got to heaven with your good deeds. No, but the Bible says except ye repent you shall all likewise perish. In other words, there's only one way to heaven and that's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of your sins and you'll never get to heaven doing good works. You'll never get to heaven with perfect Sunday school attendance. You'll never get to heaven because you got baptized. Amen. You'll get to heaven at the foot of the cross where you call on Jesus to forget for forgiveness of sin and he'll wash you and cleanse you and give you hope for salvation and eternity in heaven. Amen. I'm glad for the disruption of grace. I also see it uh, there in the book of Joshua. We mentioned uh, the city of Jericho, but you also uh, uh, get a glimpse of grace in that hopeless situation when you begin uh, to look at one Rahab the harlot. Amen. Uh, Joshua 6.22 said, But Joshua said unto the two men uh, that had spied out the country, Go into the uh, harlot's house, 
and bring out thence the woman, talking about Rahab, and all that she hath, as ye swear unto her. And verse 23 said, And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had, and they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. Aren't you seeing the grace of God and how he don't just want to save you, he wants to save your whole family, amen? And it wasn't just Rahab that got help. You know what happened, don't you? You remember the story. They were spying out the land and Rahab had faith and hid these two men uh, amen just on a venture that the God they served she heard about their God she heard about he could destroy the nations through Israel uh, she heard about how Israel had divine favor to, uh, and they could pre pretty much whoop anybody that they come up against because of the might uh, of the God that they served uh, and she had heard that they were coming to destroy her city and she thought maybe perhaps if I'll do a God a favor if I'll make their God my God and their Lord, my Lord, maybe he'll have mercy on me. Maybe he'll have grace. So she began to help the spies and hid them while others looked for them. And because of her faith in God, the book of Hebrews teaches us, uh, uh, Jesus, uh, I mean, the Lord spared her life and not only the life of her, but her whole family. Even her second cousins. <laughs> Amen. And you know them second cousins are rough old sinners, right? Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I see a disruption of grace. Verse 25 of Joshua 6 said, Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive. Amen. Boy, I like that, don't you? Uh, and her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. You know what I see in that passage right there? Because she hid the messengers. Uh, you know what you hide with messengers? You also hide their message. You know what the Bible said? Uh, Thy word have I hid in mine heart uh, that I might not sin against thee. I see here a picture and a type of Rahab uh, repenting of her sins. Amen. Because she took the word of God to herself and hid it in her heart. And I see that because of the grace of God, she got delivered. And because, even though there was a disarray, a disarray of gospel absence, there was a disruption of grace that made an exception for this harlot. And why would God use a harlot of all kinds of people? Perhaps it would be argued. This, that the, the harlot is amongst the lowest in society as far as what men and women think of them. We hate to even think of their actions. We, don't, we try to block it out of our mind, and, and it's repulsive. And, and, and there are many today that live that kind of lifestyle and, and uh, other than wicked men who take advantage of their wicked services, uh, uh, most people detest them. Most people degrade them, demoralize them, and help them go deeper into sin than they already are because there's no grace to be offered them. But I'm glad that Jesus' love knows 
no depth. Uh, that Jesus' love goes further than yours and I's. Uh, and when the religious crowd kicks them out, Jesus says, come on in. Uh, the water's fine. Amen. Uh, Jesus will save you if you'll call on him today. I don't care how many people give up on you. I don't care what the religious establishment told you years ago. Uh, if you'll call on him, he'll forgive you. He'll change you. He'll save you. He'll deliver you. And he'll put hope in you. And he'll dress you as pure as the white driven snow. Somebody say amen right there. Mm, glory to God. I'm glad for the disruption of grace in the life of Rahab. And the Bible said, uh, by faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not uh, when she had received the spies with peace. Uh, isn't that wonderful? Now it gets a little bit better. Can you handle some more this morning? Give me an amen. All right, we see the disarray of gospel absence. We see the disruption of grace. But now, thirdly, I want to put on display the glory of God. Amen. I want to point out now in the book of Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 5, uh, uh, the Bible said, uh, and this, keep in mind, is the lineage of Jesus Christ found in the book of Matthew chapter 1. And I'm not going to read the entire lineage from start to finish, but you need to see verse number 5 for a very specific reason. It says, and Salmon begat booze of Rahab. Now, the King James Bible spells it R-A-C-H-A-B, but that's the same person that we know of in the Old Testament called Rahab. And Booz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. And then you skip down to verse 16, and we're fast-forwarding, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born who? Jesus, who is called the Christ. Amen. Boy, I'm glad to announce to you today that not only did grace disrupt the life of Rahab the harlot, but grace was so rich and so thick that God wanted to send a message to every generation, past, present, and future, that grace wants to work God's love all the way into your messed up family and bring redemption to you. And he did it so beautifully by including Rahab the harlot in the lineage that led all the way up to Jesus Christ, the hope for all of humanity. Aren't you glad that you have a King of Kings and a Lord of Lords whose pedigree doesn't look so lovely when you go, go to digging real deep? And some people today in their pious arrogance, uh, they assume that they're the best of the best of society and they look down on their noses at you and I uh, and they deem us filthy rags. Uh, but if you dig deep enough, honey, and you probably don't have to dig very far, you'll find some scantily looking people in your family too. Somebody say amen. Here's the problem with that scenario. Every man... Every woman, every boy, and every girl is unrighteous and as filthy rags in the eyes of God outside of the hope of Jesus Christ. No matter how good you think you are, the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. And Jesus, of all people, wanted to highlight the fact that because of Rahab's face, he gave her family the wonderful, rich heritage of leading up to the, the, the birth of Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that good news? I'm glad that the Lord loves us that much, aren't you? That, that Jesus was too good not to love us. <laughs> See, some of you are too good to love people. Jesus was too good not to. Mm -hmm. Did you catch that? Some people are too good to love folk. But if you get as good as Jesus, you love everybody. 
Come on, church. Say amen right there. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm glad for the display of God's glory, aren't you? And the book of Acts, chapter 16, and verse 31 said, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. In other words, the same gospel that will save you is the same gospel that will deliver your children. They can also call on the name of the Lord. Now, some of you got family and friends that don't know Jesus, and your heart's broken for them. Can I tell you, God's every bit as much interested in them as you are. Amen. I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care how far they've gone. I don't care what they've done. Amen. I don't care about any of that. Neither does God because here's the thing. God's blood can cover it all. There's not a sin that God's blood will not cover. Did you hear that? There is redemption in the shed blood of Christ. This is the glory of God at its richest display. What better way for God? I mean, we look at the earth that God created and we say, what a magnificent God we serve in. We look at the heavens that declare the glory of God and we say, what a magnificent awesome creator that we have uh, but let me tell you something even more impressive to this old sinner boy is when I look to the cross and I find uh, that at the cross at the cross is where I first saw the light uh, and the burden of my heart rolled away uh, it was there by grace I received my sight uh, and now I'm happy all the day uh, uh, better than the creation better than the uh, stars in heaven is the very creator himself uh, hanging himself on an old rugged cross letting his life blood drain out for you and I so that he could present his blood to the Father in heaven and declare it is finished, declare paid in full for all who receive his grace. Uh, there is no greater display of the glory of God than the cross of Christ. Look to him today and be saved by the grace of God. Somebody shout amen. Mm, the Bible said in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, Ye also, uh, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house. Uh, boy, I'm glad he put me in the house of God, aren't you? Uh, I'm glad he put me in the family. Uh, it said in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, uh, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, uh, especially unto them who are of the household of faith amen uh, some of you trying to fit into this old world without Jesus and let me tell you something uh, even as a sinner you're going to find very lonely and cold and dark places amen you may find a thousand companions that live with you in sin uh, but you'll still die a lonely death without Jesus because that hole is still empty in your heart amen uh, and I'm telling you what I'd rather have loneliness with Jesus than loneliness without him wouldn't you uh, I've learned that he is my closest companion. I've learned that he is the bright and morning star in my life. I've learned that he is the lily of the valley. He's the rose of Sharon. I've learned that he is my all in all. I've learned as the song of Solomon, I believe it was said that, yea, he is all together lovely. I find no fault in him today. There is no sin. There's no blemish in him. He is perfectly awesome. Amen. He is my Lord and he is my Savior because he bought me and he brought me into the family and he put me in a place where I fit in. Glory to God. Woo! Hallelujah. Yeah. There is no place I'd rather be than in the family of God. This old world's vicious and cold and cruel. 
And unless men are taught to be loving by the aid of the Holy Spirit, most of your best friends can sometimes turn their back on you without a flinch. But I'm telling you about a Savior who displays the glory of God at its best on an old cruel cross for your sins and for mine. Aren't you glad this morning? Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is name. Now I know uh, it looks like the odds are against us Christians and I know uh, that straight, in, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth to life and few there be that find it. But let me tell you something honey. The family of God both in earth and in heaven combined is the single largest family in all of human history and you best join the family through the blood of Christ unless you want to live in a Christless eternity without God. You say, preacher, you ought not to preach with such fearful words. What kind of a friend would I be to you if I held not the truth? I mean, if I held the truth from you. Would you rather me comfort you with lies or irritate you with the truth? Come on. And so what we see in closing... We see an invitation back in our opening text, Luke chapter 19, verse 5. This invitation that Jesus gave to Zacchaeus, he also extends to you and I. He came to the place. I'm, <laughs> Woo, I'm glad he came to where I was at. Amen. He looked up and saw. And by the way, do you see the type of the cross where Zacchaeus ran to the tree? Mm, come on now. That'll preach right there. <laughs> Woo, you're in a good place when you run to the tree. Amen. And uh, Jesus said, uh, he saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste. Uh, in other words, hurry up. Don't take your time. Some of you dragging your feet about giving your heart and life to Jesus. Uh, the Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Do not wait. Make haste. Hurry up and do it before you run out of time. It says, come down, uh, for today I must abide at thy house. Uh, and he's in, extending the same invitation to all who still are not members of his family today uh, because he wants you to enjoy the benefits of his love and his mercy and his grace God did not shed his darling son's blood for it to go to a waste amen so don't let it go to a waste in your life take full advantage of the offer because it's a good offer it's a sure offer it's a hopeful offer and it will change your life forever you're worried about your sin but the blood's powerful enough not only to forgive you but to cleanse you and to enable you to walk away from that that you're not able to walk away from yourself if you're at least willing to turn from your sin and willing to give your heart and life to Jesus the Bible says to many as received him to them gave you power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name and I've got to remind you today that there's no sin that's met that has won a battle against the blood of Jesus Christ amen I've seen God strip the bottle right out of the drunkard's hand I've seen God strip the lust right out of a whore 
whoremonger's heart. Can I get an amen this morning? I've seen God take the gambling habit away from an, a, a reckless gambler who's destroying his family's life savings. I've seen God change lives and transform lives and change human nature. If you ask the, the, the professionals today in psychology and psychiatry, and they'll tell you that men do not change and that the best they can do is cope with it and do their best to get through life with their, their current state of misery. And if they don't, if they can't help you psychologically, they'll try to put uh, drugs in you to alter your reality, uh, and maybe that'll help you. And all it is that they're practicing on you and getting rich doing so. Uh, but Jesus, Jesus said, uh, if you'll come to Him, uh, you can have everlasting life, and it's a free gift. Amen. Uh, he won't even charge you for it. Amen. Uh, he'll just sit. Now I didn't say it didn't cost something. Now don't don't misunderstand me. Just because it's free, don't mean it wasn't. Didn't he didn't pay a heavy price. He paid everything that heaven had. Do you realize the greatest asset that heaven ever had or ever will have is the lifeblood of God's darling son? There is no greater treasure in heaven. We talk about the gold. We talk about the streets of gold. We talk about the mansions. We talk about the pearly gates. We talk about the, the 12 uh, foundations of pre precious stones uh, of that city. And all. And what, what kind of wealth would that be uh, if we can measure it in today's measurements? Uh, but more precious than any of that was the blood of Christ. And that's the very thing that God waged war over for your soul. Uh, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You need to know today that he's after you. And he's found you in your sin. But he wants to give you the hope of forgiveness and grace and the strength of repentance to walk in newness of life. So you have that invitation. And so we see that even Zacchaeus had faith and repentance. Because verse 6 said, he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. There's his faith. And verse 8, he said, uh, Behold, Lord, half my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. There's his repentance. It wasn't a fake religious uh, routine that he went through. He didn't just come down to the altar and a repeat a prayer and get up and declare salvation. No, he had full intent of following through on the grace of God that was being bestowed to him that day. He knew that his life would be different. He knew that he had to repent of his lying and cheating and stealing and all of that. And he began to do that. And here's what Jesus said. Salvation, today salvation's come to thy house because he had faith that illustrated repentance. And if you have faith without repentance, your faith is dead. You say, I believe in Jesus, but you're still lying, cheating, stealing, and carrying on, and you're living like uh, you don't need God in your life until, until he's like a spare tire to you, and when trouble hits, all of a sudden you, you can't get to the preacher quick enough to pray for you, and you can't get on the church prayer list fast enough to be prayed for. Oh, all of a sudden you need God already, do you? Well, you've been living like the devil, acting like you don't need him for the last 20 years, and you call that being a child of God? Amen. Forbid it to be so. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away way behold all things are become new and if you say you have faith but you don't have works James even said your faith is dead being alone and you know what God wants to do he wants to save you by his grace 
But you've got to be willing to turn from your sin to him in faith, and he'll change you forever. Everyone standing to your feet, every head bowed and every eye closed. The family's going to come do an invitation. I'm going to stand up front, and I want to ask you, if you need to give your heart and life to Jesus, grab your friend or family member by the hand, ask them if they'll come pray with you. And we, we three together will come into this altar, and we'll pray, and I'll take my Bible and show you how that you can leave this place knowing that you're at peace with God. Would you come? Nothing's more important right now than for God to connect you to his family through the shed blood of Christ that proves his love for you. Unconditional. Would you come as they sing?